in my opinion, lump salt and pepper together both as a seasoning, but salt is a seasoning and pepper is a spice. And if you overuse it, you lose the value of it. And so, you know, if you're if you're putting smoked paprika on everything or black pepper on everything or cumin on everything, you just get used to it and it kind of makes it boring. Mm-hmm. But pepper is not like a guarantee, right? Salt is a guarantee. You just about everything in the world that you cook, you need to put some amount of salt on, whether it's to help it cook or to bring out flavor or what. Pepper, on the other hand, some things do better without it, some things do better with it, but if it's misused, it's a problem. Anyway, the point of this story is that it was used very well in this, so. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that was my little pepper pepper rant. (laughs) That was a wild ride. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Welcome to Taste BC Radio, where we're going on a journey to explore restaurants, breweries, wineries, and just about anywhere where we can eat or drink local. I'm Jeff. And I'm Dan. And we are talking twice a month about local BC food and drink. If you want to join in on the conversation, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at TasteBC Radio, or email us at host at tastebcradio.ca. All right, tasers, let's get into it. Hey, Dan. Hey, Jeff. How you doing? I'm doing good. It's been a while. Good. Good. Guess what I did yesterday? Oh, no. What did you do? I drove down to Bellingham for the day. Did you? Yeah. Nice. Just on my own. Just on your own, just for fun. Just because. Yeah, well, I had to mail something, and it was going to the States, so I wanted to send it from the States. And then I figured if I was already driving over the border, I may as well go to Bellingham. Was that to make it cheaper to mail? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, because it, it, it was really heavy, so I oh. didn't want to... Oh, it's very smart, very smart. Did you, uh, what did you do while you were down there? Else, what else did you do? Um, I got lunch, and then I had a flight of beer, <gasps> and then I went to... Trader Joe's and Target, uh-huh. and I went to REI, but I didn't get anything. I was really tempted to, but I didn't. Fair enough. And then I came home. <laughs> Wait, so, <laughs> so you... Uh, I was there for about five hours. Total. So you had craft beer from somewhere other than BC. Is that what I'm hearing? I did. Oh my goodness. That... Yikes. Wow. Oh, I don't know how I feel about that. Was it better than us? <laughs> no, I was I was not blown away. It was it was completely fine. Yeah. Uh, what I did like was the price though. The oh, price point was great. It was nice. five four ounce pours for twelve dollars US. Yeah. That's not bad at all, so, actually. So yeah, like flights here are like fourteen bucks for four. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty. So you get an extra flight for or an extra taster just for just because for a real, basically for well a... basically the conversion cost of exactly yeah. So, yeah, flights are getting really expensive here. There's a lot of places, like, there's some places that I've seen where you can get a flight and it's substantially more per ounce, like, almost yeah. double per ounce. Yeah, I agree. This should be uh, as much of an issue as uh, gas prices. We should be, like, protesting <laughs> flight prices. <laughs> so, f- f- um, uh, uh, gas prices are good that they're going up. Controversial statement, I know. Mm. <laughs> but we should be moving away from petroleum-based fuels. Yes, so that's fair. Good point. <laughs> good point. So we, what you're saying is we should have higher gas prices now. Yes. Good. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Unfortunately. It yeah. sucks because, yes, I have a petroleum car as well, but I fundamentally agree with the cost increasing on petroleum vehicles yeah because it's gonna i also transit a lot so i'm i'm putting money where my mouth is oh there you go good on you yeah yeah no fair enough um i think yeah my point is i want cheaper flights (laughs) yes yeah yeah the cost of airplane flights Yes. And the cost of beer flights both need to come down. <laughs> oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Except that they need to make the airplanes sustainable. I heard that they just they just completed the first trial of a hydrogen fuel cell airplane. And they did a yeah, human they, trial. 
and, and they've done um, uh, biodiesel as well, which is carbon Ooh. neutral. So that's great. That would be sweet. Yeah. I wonder if biodiesel would be an easier conversion for. It's an easier conversion technologically. Yeah. Uh, but then you also have to create the biodiesel and there's a number of ways to do it, but it's not always the most efficient in the, in energy form to do it. So it's, it's carbon neutral to do biodiesel, but the, as long as that product that's being grown to turn into biodiesel is grown in addition to whatever would naturally already be there. So mm. um, the, the one that is kind of the, the uh, dark horse for biodiesel is actually kelp. Oh. And I was learning about this in, in school, yeah, because um, it's really, really low energy to grow, and you mm. can grow huge amounts of it in shallow water, and it cleans the ocean and deacidifies the ocean, and then it can be turned into biodiesel, and because it uses carbon to grow, then it, it's carbon neutral. Uh-huh. And then, whereas hydrogen is completely clean in terms of exhaust, but if you're not using clean energy to, um, although I don't really like the word clean energy, but if you, sure. if you're not using non uh carbon based energy to produce the hydrogen you're not really at a benefit so hmm. but same thing with the biodiesel so it's it's kind of a catch 22 yeah anyway we're not an energy podcast we're a food and <laughs> food and drink podcast so last last point on that kelp also feels yucky when it touches my feet so cut it down <laughs> 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 and put it somewhere else where I don't have to swim through it. <laughs> well, the thing about kelp, I don't know about Canada, but in the States, um, to grow the equivalent amount of fuel to make like a gallon or whatever of biodiesel from kelp, mm-hmm. the amount of land you would need would cost something like, what, like $100 a foot or something like that? I'm just making up that number oh, for sure. land. Um, but on the, at, the, at sea, to grow that amount, it costs like uh, $0.25 cents, uh, like for like a square quarter mile because hmm. because they don't have like land use and yeah, so the yeah. government owns the land up to 250 kilometers offshore oh. uh but they can lease it out to kelp farmers and they it's super cheap because people don't need use the space so so in other words should we become kelp farmers is that what you're I've saying i've thought about it to be honest with you yeah <laughs> we should do it <laughs> Uh, okay, so I'm going to cut all of that out so that no one steals my idea. Don't steal my idea. Good thing no one listens to the show, so it'll be fine. Patent pending. Patent pending. <laughs> yeah, TM, TM. <laughs> all right, so anyway, yeah, so I went to uh, Bellingham and I got a pretty good meal at a place called Wild Oat. Um, they were, I don't know, any of the streets or anything, um, yeah. but if you stop by, they were good. Customer service was really great. Small little cafe kind of place, and they have a little kitchen in the back. Yeah. And then I got, uh, I walked down the street a couple blocks, and I went to a brewery called Aslan. The beers were good. Um, nothing really blew me away, but I also picked kind of very simple beers to kind of uh, taste it. But, like, nothing was bad. It was all tasty and... Um, Solid. I'm making it sound a lot worse than it was. It was good. I enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it, and I would go back. But I just, I, uh, I... There was nothing on the menu that was, like, the superstar of the... Right. Of the menu, there wasn't like some super funky. There was no yuzu. There was no cold IPA. There was nothing like that kind of stuff no that we've been talking pear. about. <laughs> no, yeah, so I've I've been spoiled with you know the field houses and the il sauvages and and those like fun really fun beers and yeah. So um, I was kind of looking for at least like one thing like that, and I didn't I didn't have those. So, uh, but everything like their their pale ale is re- their West Coast pale ale was really tasty. Really like everything was really like clean and refined and nice. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would uh, recommend a stop there for sure. Nice. 
Nice. And they have a full kitchen too, but I just ate it, so I didn't get anything. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. If I wanted to go to the mainland in the States, I'd have to take a ferry of some sort. Yeah, you'd either have to take the passenger ferry from Victoria to... Seattle. Port, Angel- Port Angeles or wherever it goes. Uh, oh, or you'd have to... T- you can drive onto that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, or you'd have to... Or you'd have to take a ferry to Vancouver and drive down, so... Ugh, BC ferry. Or fly. <laughs> or fly. Yeah, that too. Only if it's kelp-powered. Right. <laughs> you could float on a raft of kelp. Could you refuel just by, like, flo- <laughs> landing and then <laughs> scraping the surface of the kelp and then go? <laughs> if I say yes, do we not have to talk about this ever again? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Good. Yeah. Also patent your- Yes, right. How has your week been? We were um, in Salt Spring together last weekend, which yes, is nice. Yes, we were. Yeah, that's how... So. When was the last time we saw each other, like, in person, on Salt Spring? <laughs> well, last time we saw each other in person on Salt Spring was maybe 2016 at the latest. Whew, that's a long Or at the time. earliest, sorry. Yeah. That's a long, so, long yeah. time. But we've seen each other in person, obviously, since then. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's still been, like, six months from that. Yeah. But you guys are coming yeah. over soon in October. Yeah, yeah, very excited about that. Mm-hmm. And not doing the marathon anymore, just doing a shorter version of it. So don't have to worry so much about being responsible, which is nice. <laughs> Would you say it was like half the distance of a marathon? Yeah, around that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A half <laughs> yeah. marathon, if you will. <laughs> Do you come up with that yourself? I did, patent pending. <laughs> TM, TM. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but no, it was great to be in Salt Spring. We got to uh, uh, go try some stuff and yeah. some some wineries and um, some different food. Winery scene has really and... expanded on Salt Spring, I think. At least I feel like it well, has since the last time we were there. I think that they're more um, uh, well-recognized. Like ah. More people are, are going to them and, and checking them out, whereas I think the last time that we went, you know, however many years ago, eight years ago or whatever, yeah. Um, they were more still kind of like quietly doing their thing. And Salt Spring Island Winery was still one of the bigger ones. And there was a few other ones on the island that were kind of a little more uh, quiet. But um, but yeah, it seems that the the region has figured out what does and doesn't grow there. And they've kind of been able to accommodate that. Mm-hmm. And which is nice because they're doing things that are quite unique versus what you would get from the Okanagan. Yeah, totally. for example. So yeah, it's cool because yeah, so exciting. You know, with Salt Spring being the biggest of the Gulf Islands, they have a lot of potential t- for growth. And uh, take that for what it is, because yeah. there's the good and the bad that comes with it. <laughs> totally. But uh, it's definitely changed over the years for sure. So it is definitely very interesting a... to see. Well, we've been going since we were really young, and it is like the amount of change that's happened is pretty staggering. Just even mm-hmm. like in terms of the number of people that have like discovered similar places that we have. And like we were driving down the road and there's a like a rope swing that you and I used to hang out for hours like a day. Yeah. And yeah. usually it was like, like we, us, we would be there for like six to eight hours a day for four day. days straight sometimes. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. And get up, up to all kinds of shenanigans. <laughs> and like we would meet like, I don't know, maybe two or three families from time to time there was like yeah mostly locals mostly locals exactly there was cars parked like down the road and like there was so many people Mm -hmm. there it was crazy yeah and it's not that great of a rope swing either too i mean it's 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 fun and it's good for salt spring island because there's nothing else on that lake that can even compare but the point is is that 
it's a it's a minor attraction drawing huge amounts of people and it was totally. very interesting to see so here i am kind of old man yells at cloud but yeah it's <laughs> those dang young people get away from our rope swing so dan we're talking about beer again today yes. one of our favorite topics oh as always it's so refreshing getting to talk about it i could talk about it forever i know just it's, it's hard not to just say <laughs> beer, beer 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 do you want to do beer this week do you want to do beer this week yeah yeah um, you, as you... much as I love all these other aspects, it's it's uh, it's nice to kind of, as much as I don't drink nearly as much beer as I used to, mm-hmm. uh, the going to a brewery experience is just such a oh, wonderful, so exciting experience. Yeah, I'm sad <laughs> I just for love the that more. A, I'm sad for the summer to be yeah. for that reason, like, where it's like yeah. nice and sunny and warm, you're in shorts and a t-shirt and you're just crushing uh, nice, high quality beer on the patio. It's awesome. Yeah, I, I'm. Um, I agree. <laughs> very. I'm, However, I'm very much looking forward to cocktail season, though. I was just gonna say there there is a benefit to going into fall because we get more deeper, maltier, com- more complex beers that are coming our way, and with October coming up soon, we have like pumpkin beer season, which is like oh yeah, my version true. of like spi- pumpkin spice. Get your fall bougie on. Yeah. <laughs> Right, so we're talking about beer and I'm starting. So I want to tell you a little bit about the last place for a while that I'm going to talk about in the Sunshine Coast, and it's called Persephone Brewing. (laughs) I knew it. As I'm sure you know, they are uh, by far the largest brewery on the Sunshine Coast, um, with maybe the second one being Townsite, maybe the second biggest. I would say But anyway, Persephone Brewing, uh, first of all, it gets its name from the name of the boat on Beachcombers, which is a old CBC show that ran for, you know, 800-something episodes, probably one of the longest-running CBC shows of all time, Mm -hmm. maybe other than Murdoch Mysteries. I don't know. Anyway. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it was based in Gibson's BC and basically put it on the map for Canadians. And so a lot of things there are named after... um, this show and Persephone is no exception to that. And what Persephone does really cool, really well is they are actually a fully functioning farm uh, that Mm. is a brewery. And so um, starting with the grounds themselves, they actually, when you, so when you drive on, there's kind of like a lawn and the main building where you can do the tastings and it is, you know, you could stop there and you could do your tastings or go play lawn games or whatever and have a great time. Um, but if you continue along and in some of the further back parking, there's you can see all the farm equipment. Um, they have chickens on site. They have a bee program where they ha- work in, in combination with uh, a local bee farmer who helps keeping the bees and, and uh the collection of honey and they use they use the honey in some of their beers so um, they work with kathleen from roberts creek honey which is just north of them they have two two big fields uh they have two apple mark sorry two apple orchards um and two market gardens where they grow a variety of things that uh, a lot of which they'll use in their kitchen and uh they they first opened their fields in 2013 and with the idea of growing hops but they just didn't work out because of uh, black rot and kind of the climate there, I guess. Mm-hmm. 
And so they removed the hops and they planted barley and um, they grow that. And then in the off season, they grow other things to kind of refuel the soil there. Uh, since then, they've been really sustainably producing barley and a lot of the stuff that they use in their kitchen, vegetables and such. And they everything that they have spent, like the barley and the hops and the yeast and, and whatever else other runoff from the brewing, they actually compost themselves, reclaim it back into their um, uh, production. Um, and they... They also actually uh, grow their own rye in the off season from the barley as well. So they grow barley in the summer and rye in the winter and they grow pumpkins and they grow uh, apples, like I mentioned, um, some beans. They have the the chickens running around, which is as much a great attraction as it is <laughs> um, useful for them. Um, they do, they did a, they do a pollinator pilsner, which is kind of, kind of ties in with the name Persephone, who's the Greek goddess of, uh, spring. And that's, you know, when, you know, pollination happens and, um, kind of ties in with the bees and it ties in with the, the, the various purpose of their, their farm. They have a water treatment plant on their farm as well. Um, which, and you can like walk around and down through the, uh, pond and around by the uh, the the chickens and and past the the field where they grow stuff and uh, yeah it's really uh, a great little thing so uh, first time I went there I did the first experience I went in and I went and sat and I drank some beer I got the uh, some snacks we went and played some lawn games we're like this is great um, as I mentioned in a previous episode it was a weekday morning so we were the only ones there for most of our visit and. I'm kicking myself now because the second time we went there, there also happened to be a bit of a, a really small farmer's market as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe like six vendors or so. And we're like, oh, well, we're here. And so A, it was the weekend, so it was busier, but also the farmer's market made it even busier. So we had to go further into the property to, to get parking. And we did that. And that's when I saw all this other stuff. And I started reading the signs about the pollinators and the, the water treatment and the field and all that stuff. And I had no idea that was there before. Wow. Um, and so, you know, it would have been great to be able to go explore that when there was no one else on the property and you could go, like, do a big walk around. But uh, that's all right. We got to explore it. It wasn't busy by any means. No one was, like, blocking our ability to do it. But um, it would have been nice and serene. So their their food program started as a food truck, sort of, kind of, like, attached to their building. And they've expanded into uh, cooking from within they have some pretty basic foods like poutine and fish and chips and different burgers lentil burger gochujang barbecue chicken burger blue cheese burger with mushrooms they've started also doing uh cocktails so they'll do kind of like a in-house cocktail they have a negroni spritz which is like a cross between a negroni and an aperol spritz pretty cool um and they do a kefir cocktail as well, which is what? a feature and rotating. So it'll just depend on like who's there at the time. And then they also have a, uh, what is essentially a Rattler, but it's instead of half beer, half lemonade or whatever, it's half cider and half kefir. Huh. Yeah, that that's really cool. Again, their food is not a super expensive menu, mostly burgers and a couple like handhelds, but they're doing them with really good flavor profiles and a good variety of flavor profiles as well. And then their beers are where things get really fun. So they have standard ones that they have. So they have like, a, they've released a actually a honeycomb hard seltzer as well. 
and they have two different flavors. They have a peach raspberry or a passion fruit orange guava, and then they have their beers. And this again, talk like like we talked about the brewery in Bellingham. This has really clean flavors. There, they have a the pilsner I talked about. They've got a golden ale, pale ale, and IPA. They have an Irish dry stout, and then they have a dry hopped cider. They use Okanagan apples for that, so they're kind of releasing a bit of a variety of everything. And then they do some limited releases as well, which are delightful, and they've changed since I've been there as well. But one thing that they've brought out a couple times is a pepper lime sour, or at least it's been on the menu for a little bit, is a pepper lime sour, and that one was really, really tasty. I had that. It kind of got the little acidic from the, the lime sour and then a little bit of that kind of sharp nose from the pepper which kind of cut the the sourness but it wasn't like overwhelmingly spicy or anything but just like a, a fresh crack of black pepper on like a cocktail or something can just make all the difference oh, in the flavor profile 100 another thing that stephanie does well is they're very passionate about the environment and their contribution to the impacts of climate change and so they have a quote up on their wall that says climate action is not an abstract concept climate action is sustainable soil and nutrient management it is animal health sustainable food production systems and is the exchange of knowledge between decision makers farmers indigenous people women and youth and then it's by edward munster i might be saying that wrong um but they they have that huge just like probably like a six foot tall um poster of that quote and they've actually received awards for their kind of innovations in doing so so um they have they won uh social enterprise of the year in 2017 wow uh they have an award for as an honorable mention for environmental sustainability um from the bc business the business of good 2020 they have a private sector 2016 land award land awards finalist for demonstrating outstanding leadership innovation and collaborate collaboration in sustainable land use in british columbia wow. yeah so and those are just three that i quickly saw on the wall when i went in there and they are probably displayed but they're in like different areas so yeah really impressed with their intent behind what they're doing as a business mm-hmm. and like i said we're not a, like a climate or energy podcast but it affects everybody and sometimes it's easy to get lost in the pursuit of money and this is one business that is not doing that and i'm very happy about that (laughs) and like you said it affects us all right so it's good to see businesses that are doing very very well and doing good things with their product but also treating land with respect and 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 the climate as well like it doesn't have to be one or the other yeah what i'm going for yeah and and yeah not not to beat a dead horse but they you know they've got things all over their website about how they're you know um benefiting the or, or trying to support the environment and um they're a certified B corporation, which means that they use like fair trade and organic and, and stuff like that. Um, and the, from what I can tell, the employees seem happy to work there. And, you know, it's a tiny little building and it's always busy or, or at least it was um, very successful in their um, growth year over year. Um, and one other reason I want to talk about them is they just turned 10. Oh, yeah, so they lovely. they turned ten on August sixteenth uh, or seventeenth. So um, that's amazing. Happy happy ten year anniversary. 
uh, Persephone. No kidding. And I, I can't wait to see what else uh, you do, especially with the Sunshine Coast gaining in popularity. <laughs> yes. Similar yeah. to Salt Spring. Similar to Salt gaining... Spring. But harder to get to. And yeah. uh, le- like Salt Spring is still quite accessible, uh, at least from the mm-hmm. island. I think the Sunshine Coast will hold out a little bit longer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah probably. Oh, and they uh, often on weekends will have guest vendors and performing artists that will sing for a couple hours at a time. So there's like live music and, and whatever else. Uh, great. So if you find yourself up on the Sunshine Coast and you want to pop into Persephone and give them a try and tour their farm, their location is uh, 1053 Stewart Road in Gibsons. And just make sure to check on the hours before you head there. Because they, because of the tourist nature of the Sunshine Coast, they have um, vastly different winter and summer hours. So just make sure to take a look at that before heading out. But definitely worth the definitely worth the the trip. And it's maybe a ten minute drive or so from the Langdale Ferry. So yeah definitely worth a visit it was it's a, it was it's a spectacular spot like overall from top to bottom not just the beer and the drinks and the food but like just the atmosphere and the environment is so cool to be mm-hmm. a part of yeah really fun place um and and yeah the the whole like side of the building opens up barn door style so it 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 or like garage style kind of like open barn concept for their mm-hmm. building so you can um, really get that kind of like open fieldy kind of look to it. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Well, Dan, you know, there's one thing I got to ask you. And what is that, Jeff? What you've been tasting? Well, I've been uh, tasting a few things uh, this week, and I'm glad I did because the one thing that I wanted to talk about didn't quite pan out the way I wanted to. Um, this is, We're a podcast of positivity, so I'm not going to mention what I was not a fan of because that is not cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I did really enjoy was um, a kombucha that I had never tried before that is from Coquitlam, B.C., Oh, and that that the specific flavor is lavender lemonade, which I was immediately very excited for. And the company is called Culture. Oh, yeah, yeah. Based on that reaction, I don't think we've talked about this before. No, I'm like, we have talked about so much in our 30. This is our 31st episode. 32nd episode. We had one bonus episode. 32nd episode. Sorry, yes. You can erase that. <laughs> I'm not erasing that. <laughs> yeah, I figured you wouldn't. Um, this is our 32nd episode, and I am struggling to remember what we have and have not. But So this lavender lemonade uh, was absolutely delicious, and it was very much uh, lemonade-forward, uh, so nice tart without too much sweetness to it, and then a very nice and finishing taste of lavender. And it just, like... I don't know. There's something about lavender, and I know this is very well known, but it just makes you feel so good and relaxed. <laughs> the smell of it, the taste of it when you drink it, oh, it's oh so lovely. Color. Um, and it's, it made me do a little bit of research into this place, and we I love a lot of the stuff that they talk about. So it was founded in 2015 by a chef uh, and whose name is Dan Larson. I like where this is going. Yeah, I, I may have known that this... <laughs> yeah. I may have chosen this one because the owner's name is Dan. I'm not going to lie about this. <laughs> um, but so because he's been in the chef, uh, in the restaurant scene for so long, he had gotten to know a lot of the local farmers. And so he, uh, all of the ingredients that go into the kombucha are from uh, local farmers and that use sustainable food systems. So Amazing. Super, super cool. Um, one of his 
um, one of his driving factors to wanting to create like a kombucha business was actually for health reasons. We know that the cult, like the fermentation and the and the bacteria and and uh, kombucha is very good for your gut. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of one of his personal quests was to improve his gut health. So there's lots of like functional antioxidants, amino acids, and B vitamins that are found in kombucha. Of course. And, uh, and when you use um, local and organic or local ingredients that are without a lot of kind of like fillers and preservatives, you have a very, uh, you have a drink that's very good for you and very good for your gut biome as well, which is an ever evolving uh, field in science is the kind of the gut health. So anyway, uh, back to the drink. I thought it was absolutely brilliant and I would definitely, definitely look out for it in your local grocery store. And I think we actually found it on salt spring. <laughs> <laughs> oh funny so and, and yeah. sorry that was the only flavor you saw or was there more there was more uh they've got quite a number of flavors this is the one that we we picked they have got a cream soda they've got a i don't remember seeing all of these in the um in the in the grocery store when we were right, grabbing right. them but uh on their um website they have a cherry cream soda a peach basil strawberry mojito the lavender lemonade and a blueberry ginger. Amazing. Yeah. I like when Absolutely. I like when they're starting like some companies will do new flavor profiles. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, something that that's kind of what I'm looking out for now as well when I look for like kombucha or something that um like a style of drink that I I've had like a bunch so I know what I'm look I know what I like but I definitely look out for ones that are kind of a bit out there. So yeah, lavender lemonade sure. is a little bit like different. It's not super crazy but uh, i would love to try the peach basil one the yeah peach basil one sounds yeah. super interesting basil is another like i think underrated drink ingredient oh absolutely 100 percent. amazing so good in pasta anyway <laughs> so jeff i have a question for you what is that what have you been drinking or eating in the past week what have i been tasting what have you been tasting yeah right so, I'm going to tell you about something that you know about. <laughs> I do. I went with you to <laughs> to a winery on Salt Spring Island uh, called mm-hmm. Kudatash. And it was a winery that in uh, 2019 took over, or I guess acquired, uh, the previous winery there that was called Mistaken Identity. And they are still quite new as a business. Uh, They've been growing in Saanich and now also on the estate. Mm -hmm. And the one wine in particular that I want to talk about is their Zweigelt Rosé. So so good. (laughs) Funny enough, this is one of their few wines that they do that's not spontaneously fermented, which means that they don't add yeast uh, in order to ferment it. Uh, this is actually one of the ones that they do more of a controlled setting. Um, but Zweigeld is one of my favorite red grapes. And uh, they do just this absolutely beautiful, beautiful uh, rosé with it. Um, not a ton of places, I think, do a Zweigeld rosé. Maybe it's because it's a bit mm-hmm. of a... Well, it's not lighter. It's about the same kind of body as a, a Merlot. Maybe a tiny bit lighter than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But this one, they have just this really clean crisp not sweet by any means but not super acidic either it was really really well balanced uh there was like like lightly like some cherries and um i'm not really good at describing flavors of things 
<laughs> so <laughs> um, they, they say candied raspberry, cranberry, and cherry. I would agree with that. I think that it's uh, probably the raspberry is, is one that comes out quite nicely for me. I think that um, because of the the heavier but not too heavy body of the Zweigelt grape, uh, it has a lot more complexity and flavor to it than the mm-hmm. your average Pinot Noir or White Zinfandel uh, rosé that you might get from the discount bin. My wife and I bought a bottle of this and brought it home and <laughs> drank it, I think, that night. So, um, or the first night that we got home, so like 24 hours later. Um, uh, if at most we lasted an extra day, I think we maybe had it on the Monday. Um, and we are a little disappointed we didn't get more so uh (laughs) it's yeah i i don't know a a lot of people are still not huge fans of rosé despite its kind of campaign to rosé all day and um you know the 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 rosé movement that's been happening in the last couple years but rosé is i think one of you you get you get more of the flavor from the grapes, mm-hmm. but it's still super crushable and easy to drink. Uh, I've, a lot of rosés can be quite, uh, well, relatively quite sweet. Um, this one isn't. A nice rosé should be um, really aromatic, uh, mm-hmm. a depth of flavor to it, and but it doesn't linger like a red wine would. And that is really the difference. That If you were to side-by-side a, a Zweigelt rosé and a Zweigelt wine, even a lighter version of a Zweigelt red wine you would really notice a difference in how long it it took to clear your palate so it's like you kind of get that red wine experience in the in the summertime and it's still light and refreshing which is really nice so yeah Yeah, (laughs) that was an excellent rosé i think it was my favorite tasting there yeah yeah i'm with you on that one well dan tell me what brew you're going to talk about well i have an exciting one that i've uh been wanting to talk about for a little while now okay it has a little bit of vancouver and victoria vibes to it and i'll get into why that is in a bit but the brewery that i want to talk to you about today is called herald street brewing oh yes and we recently it's it's funny what piqued my interest uh i we've been here when it first opened and it was very very good um super solid the beers were uh very clean and nice but as we've kind of noticed with like newer breweries they're wanting to uh, cater to a, a very wide audience so they're playing maybe a little bit safer than they normally would which is totally fine and kind of expected so we've wanted to give them another chance to uh to show us what they got and we happened to walk past they had they had a tent up at a market in downtown victoria and they had a few of their beers uh for sale and uh one of them really piqued our interest and that was chai chai captain which was a chai red ale which i brought over to to uh, salt spring and uh to share with everyone because i found it absolutely spectacular so then we ended up going to the brewery the next day (laughs) to go and try it try it and then uh try the rest of the the beer lineup at the time um this place is a really cool it's got a really cool backstory to it it's also very community forward and they focus more on innovation rather than kind of um i guess profit margins if you will or like and i'll explain what i mean by that in a in a little bit here so when they f- uh this this uh brew brewery was started by uh a four people uh two local owners of a local uh a local 
eatery called the Drake, which I've talked about on the show, and it's spectacular. And then two uh, the two owners of Steel and Oak Brewery in New Westminster. So we have the Victoria and the Vancouver kind of vibes being melded together to create this wonderful brewery. Right. And um, they start, started in 2020, and um, kind of a tough year to start a business, <laughs> uh, but they've done a very, very good job, and uh, they continue to kind of evolve their practice and invo- evolve their uh, their vision of what craft beer in, uh, should be in the community as well. What I found really, really interesting is they actually don't have any core beers. And what I mean by that is that they don't, their menu is constantly changing. Each of one of their recipes are a one and done, Whoa. which is really interesting. So there's a couple of reasons for that. They want their brewmasters to be uh, motivated to experiment with recipes. And uh, and also it, it encourages customers to keep coming back to try different beers of yeah. uh, what they've tried. So, which I found a really interesting. And I think that would be more expensive to do. And like you'd probably cut part of your profit. So that's kind of why I was saying they, they right. want to focus more on the kind of diversity of craft beer rather than, and the community aspect of it rather than the kind of profit margin. So I thought that was a yeah, really, yeah. really interesting business model. And I don't know of any breweries that actually don't have core beers. Yeah, even just one or two. Yeah. So I thought that was super, super cool. The beers themselves, and I'm going to look at their menu now to see if it's actually changed since I was there because it sounds like they change quite often. Um, when we went there, I got we got to try their um, a, their dark lager called Fell Beast, which was absolutely delicious. A beautifully malty lager that was very easily easy to drink, even in the summertime. Um, we tried their uh, Sundog Prickly Pear Sour, Hello. which I am sure... <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Yeah, um, it was. Uh, I think it was my first time trying this style of beer or, or this flavor profile. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. Sorry, the prickly um, pear or the yeah the prickly oh yeah prickly pear flavor specifically. Sorry, um, obviously I've had plenty of sour beer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was a lovely introduction to this kind of prickly pear flavor profile. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was very refreshing and a very interesting flavor. We tried their Splash Zone Mango Wheat Ale, which was really lovely. And Mango. Right Mangui, which right is up your alley. right up my exactly <laughs> <laughs> took the took the words right out of my mouth. Finishing each other's what? Never mind. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, then we tried their buzzword honey ale, which was made with local honey. Uh, sorry, local wildflower honey, which was super delicious. Uh, a very um, softly sweet is the way i would describe it I, yeah uh, does that make sense yeah that makes yeah. sense we tried a um a west coast pay, uh, west coast um ipa at the time and i don't see that anywhere on the menu anymore so i think it's gone and then their tropical fog hazy ipa which was absolutely delicious yeah yeah, yeah exactly. do you know sorry mm. do you know if they have any kind of contingency around what types of beer they have to have at all times like do they always have two IPAs, one of them hazy, mm. one pale, one lager, one sour, or something like that? Good or question. Is it, yeah. I think it's just whatever they're kind of feeling but, like, to be honest with you. But, but I, surely I, they're not going to be running like six 
sour taps at a time or whatever. <laughs> no, no. I think it, I mean, based on what I can see here, it looks like one sour and then, so I'd have to look at, keep looking at their menu as it changes. Yeah. I'm sure there's um, some I kind of actually don't know. rules around it. And plus they'll want to do darker beers in the winter and stuff. I'm just curious. Totally. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know specifically if they have a way of, or a um, kind of a, a like a tap plan, so you have to have X number of IPAs, right. X number of pale ales, X number of sours. Um, I imagine it might be like seasonal, so they'll have more lighter and more lagers, ales, and stuff in the summer, and then as we go into the winter, as more stouts, more kind of dark beer. Uh, I, that's what I would imagine, but I will have to go back and I can report again. <laughs> Just gives me another excuse. Couldn't to hurt. Back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> one of um, one of their older beers that they don't obviously don't make anymore is was called their Twice the Fun Imperial Saison with Gamay Noir Grape. So, oh. which sounds really, really interesting, and I wish I had kept my eye out for that one. So I'm gonna have to be paying more attention to this because they have come out with some absolutely delicious sounding beers so that's oh a special shout out to chai chai captain their vanilla chai latte red ale that they came up with and i was able to get uh, a four pack of it is uh, was absolutely delicious and i thought it was incredibly done very 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 good it looks like it's still on sale at the brewery so if you're fast enough you could get your hands on it just saying uh, other things that they uh, they serve in the brewery are uh, so their straight and narrow gin cocktails, which is always lovely, and I've talked about that. They also have local wine and then some non-alc, uh, some some Phillips sodas and Salt Spring Island kombucha, which is pretty cool considering we were just talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. They also serve serve some snacks, so they have uh, Two Rivers pepperoni, some spiced pika chips, um, a, a putter's dill pickle, uh, and then Miss Vicky's potato chips, which is awesome. Uh, they serve some, and then they serve some dips as well with it. So they have a baba ganoush, which is like an eggplant, tahini, mm-hmm. leek, ash, farik, farik cake? Firaki. Firaki, thank you. And then a gochujang dip as well. Yeah. Uh, which is cream cheese, island, eco pantry, uh, miso, and gochujang. And then sesame and cumin seeds, green onions. And Delicious. then they have some pizzas as well, which are really good as well. And uh, and sandwiches that can be made meat-forward or vegan, Ooh. which is great. Yeah, um, the one one complaint I have about Steel and Oak is that there's not enough food options there. They have a few things with their limited capabilities. of their. They basically just have a toaster oven in the back, which mm-hmm. obviously that's not their... Um, business model, uh, no, 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 but course. it would. I would love to be able to get you know a small meal there or whatever. Yeah, so brewer, I think breweries are doing a better job these days of getting something that you can eat that's like yes. sub- more substantial than just like pretzels. Um, yeah. But a lot of them aren't set up for it, so it's it's hard. For sure, and it, and I mean it's. I think it's a responsible thing to do, and I think uh, you need to have some food with your booze, especially if you're going to have a few flights or whatever. Otherwise, yeah. <laughs> people are going to be in big trouble. <laughs> yeah, myself included. I need food. <laughs> Don't drink and drive. Don't drink and drive. We're busy enough as it is in my job. <laughs> <laughs> the ambiance when you go into the brewery itself is very very open. You can see where they brew the beers itself. It's a very open and inviting place to go and sit very lots of natural wood they have a really neat little loft space up above that you can go and there's this dart boards and stuff like that and um it's a very open and uh, lovely place to sit and uh 
drink some lovely beer. Um, on Sundays, I believe they, or a couple of times during the week, they have local bands or local musicians that come in and play live music. So they create an even better ambiance. And their location is really nice as well. It's right downtown. You're about a, one block from the from the uh, from the water and the Johnson Street Bridge. So very accessible, and uh, just an amazing place to to uh, sample some amazing, amazing local craft beer. And from the looks of our Taste BC map, it's exactly in between Phillips and Whistleboy. We should have a uh, a Taste BC radio uh, brewery tour guide. Like, just like, here's something, here's like a bunch of walking routes that you could have. Yeah. If you want to, or bike routes, or if you want to walk around and taste some craft beer in their in our local communities yeah um stay tuned in the meantime definitely check out our taste bc map you can find yeah. links in the show notes you can make your own uh, brewery tour yeah and um with any luck we'll grow outside of the lower half of british columbia <laughs> <laughs> it's hard there's not a lot of population up there so it's hard to no. start businesses up there though Start the kelp farm up there. <laughs> Prince, uh, Prince, or sorry, uh, yeah, Prince Rupert needs more. No, yeah, pa- Power is logging and shutting down so they can turn into a kelp kelp, kelp industry. Farm. There you go. Town, yeah. Perfect. If you do find yourself in Victoria, you can find Harold Street Brewery on Harold Street, shockingly, and the address is five hundred six Harold Street in Victoria, BC. Definitely go check it out. Amazing. Well, that about wraps it up for this leg of our journey. Taste BC Radio is recorded, edited, and produced by Jeff Wilson and me, Dan Cavanaugh. You can continue the journey and check out everywhere we talked about today in the show notes and our Taste BC map. Make sure to follow us at Taste BC Radio on Instagram and Facebook, and we'd love to have you join our community on Patreon. Links are in the show notes. Tune in next time to find out what we will be tasting next, and never miss an episode by subscribing on your podcast app. In the meantime, make sure to rate and review the show. This really helps us grow, and we really do appreciate the feedback. Until next time, support local and keep it tasty. tasty. Nice. I'm uh, I'm a little, I'm in my chaos era right now, so excellent. Uh, <laughs> Embrace the chaos.